Good morning. Welcome back to Driving Theology. It is November. November what, you ask? That is a good question. I believe it's November 18th. Uh, yeah, sounds about right. November 18th. Uh, tomorrow is the 19th. sounds right uh reason i brought up tomorrow's the 19th is because that is the day that beaujolais nouveau arrives at yamaya which is a, a wine that's released on a certain date every year and it's kind of a celebratory thing um, for people who enjoy drinking red wine uh yeah so beaujolais nouveau buy a couple bottles and have them uh, with our Thanksgiving meal for sure which is going to be on Sunday uh, but COVID-19 is not done with us yet it would seem and it has been uh, <clears throat> redoubling its efforts uh, which I guess means redouble means quadruple does it not? I don't even know <laughs> uh it is redoubling its efforts um, to claim more victims and, and everywhere, uh, well, everywhere, in America uh, and in Japan. We are in, I guess, what we're calling the third wave of cases. Um, I wonder what causes these, these new waves to begin. Is it weather? Uh, is it the... Um, just the timeline of the way the virus mutates, or uh, is it just uh, human apathy, <laughs> where where we, uh, you know, for a while we're diligent and we're, we're afraid, and then we kind of get lazy and forget, and we start uh, not wearing masks or not washing our hands as much, and, and uh, things like that, and then bang, the virus returns. You know, I don't know. There is some promise as to a vaccine, <clears throat> which may be sweeping the world soon. And any place the vaccine hits will help the rest of the world, even if the whole world doesn't get it. Uh, by by uh, controlling one area of spread, uh, generally, I think it will kind of have an effect on the whole world. You know. Just a, it's just a, a playing the odds, you know. If there are fewer places that you can get infected, then fewer people will get infected. Um, at least that's what it looks like on the outside to me. But not being an epidemiologist or a virologist, uh, really, no, no kind of ologist. Uh, just a guess but I would like to see the vaccine be available around the world um, for us to move past COVID-19 as much as we can
whatever it is, I don't like it. I don't like it one bit. I think yes. So we can readjust that. Um. Yeah. So that's a worry, and so we've got a couple events coming up in the next couple weeks. One being the the annual Thanksgiving that we host at our home. Uh, this year we're trying to cut the uh, guest list by half at least. Uh, some years we have uh, 50 or more. Well, almost every year we have 50 or more, it seems like. It's crazy. Uh, this year hopefully we'll cut it down to a lot less than that. And uh, right around half. Just to try to, you know... Again, it's the odds, right? The fewer people... That congregate the, the lower chance of spread. You know, if somebody happens to to have um, some form of the virus or other. Uh, but hey, that's just the world we live in now, huh? We're pretty much all in the same boat. Um having to learn, you know, what it means to um, survive in this this uh, new world. And we've been doing that for quite a while now. It's becoming more and more routine. The hand washing and sanitizing and the wearing of masks anytime you go out. Um, the washing of hands when you return to the house, you know, gargling, all kinds of stuff that people do. Um, yeah, I think it is, uh, for sure, uh, becoming more routine, um, but, you know, people don't like to be told what to do, and, and eventually a lot of this stuff will go back to its normal levels, I'm afraid, uh, but even in our area here, in, in the prefecture we live in, there are Apparently were 55 new cases yesterday, or maybe there are 55 total active cases, I don't know. It's nothing like it is in the States, and yet it's the worst it's ever been in Japan. Um, uh, but Japan, probably as much as any country, has done a fairly good job of controlling uh, the spread of the virus. And remained relatively open. Um, relatively. Compared to some countries, uh, yeah. So that's that's where we all are with that. Uh, this week I turn another year older. Uh, I don't know what it is, but every year it seems I get a, a year older these days. Uh, my birthday will be next week. It's a week from tomorrow, which is actually Thanksgiving Day in the states. Uh, we will be celebrating Thanksgiving Day on a different day. Um, because it's not a national holiday here, obviously. <clears throat> How do you celebrate Thanksgiving? What is what is your your current way of celebrating Thanksgiving, if indeed you do celebrate it? And in lieu of uh, the more and more we know. Uh, and we've always known a lot, let's be honest. We've just 
we just ignored it. Uh, but in lieu of what we know of the treatment of Native Americans by the uh, settlers uh, who came to America first, uh, and I'm talking about the British settlers uh, who were um, the colonizers, right? Uh, and how they both took and were given uh, they took land but they were they were given a chance it seems like the the native people uh, it seems like tried to live in some kind of a uh, peaceful way with them uh, but the uh, the settlers just wanted too much they grabbed too much they were too greedy uh, and they were too probably self-righteous uh, to even think that they might learn a th learn a thing or two and God forbid a, a better way to live than Europeans were living at the time from the Native Americans and so you know Thanksgiving now for me even though it's been one of my favorite holidays down through the years because it's usually right around my birthday um, <clears throat> I'm conflicted uh, on how to how to celebrate Thanksgiving and how to honor um, the the people uh, who uh, were used at the expense of the colonizers um, and then later the Americans uh, and now the Americans I guess um, Thanksgiving in, in some ways is almost like a uh, a precursor to um, uh, the Fourth of July, Independence Day, because in in a lot of ways it it celebrates the um, the colon colonizing uh, of North America, right? In a lot of ways, unfortunately, Thanksgiving is a celebration of the colonization. Now, of course, it's 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 not. Uh, but it is, right? Uh, it, it, it depends on how you look at it. Um, because, uh... Oh, oh, sorry, I just had to yawn there for a minute. I could not get that one out. Ah! Uh, in a lot of ways, it's kind of a precursor to the, um, to Independence Day, because it, it celebrates the arrival more or less uh, of the colonizers um, and it does this by uh, having a day of Thanksgiving for for them having uh, survived a, a winter right having finally gotten a harvest uh, in the fall that would help them survive a winter because the previous winter or winters uh, were horrible for the colonizers they were not prepared for the cold uh, and they were not able to grow crops um, that would give them food that would last all winter. And so many people died that first winter of starvation uh, and exposure, I suppose. Uh, but the second year, with the help of the Native Americans, uh, they finally were able to bring in a crop, uh, some kind of a harvest. Uh, and so they were thankful Right. The, well, the idea is uh, that they were thankful for for what they learned. 
right? And thankful for God uh, who helped them survive the winter. The problem is Thanksgiving does nothing to address the original sins of the colonizers in forcing uh, their their way upon this new land that they arrived at as opposed to learning about the people and their culture and their language and their religion and assimilating they came in to establish their culture right uh, to and they had no intention of learning anything from anybody uh, but just staking their claim and taking what they needed and they used the weapons of war uh, at their disposal, which at the time they had gunpowder, right? So that's something that the Native Native Americans, uh, or if you want to call them the First Nations people, did not have. And so they had an advantage. On top of that, by the time the British colonizers arrived, colonizers arrived, the entire Western Hemisphere, both North Central and South America had been um, reverse decimated uh, by the diseases uh, that were brought by the Europeans who were mostly in that time the Spanish and the Portuguese. Uh, they had brought uh, smallpox and flu and other things uh, that decimated actually reverse decimated decimated officially means to to kill a tenth of but actually only a tenth survived upwards of 90 percent of the population of the entire western hemisphere died within 50 to 100 years of the arrival of columbus and so what what the eastern uh colonizers the the northeastern colonizers from england uh, and later the Dutch were experiencing uh, were uh, what they were experiencing was a people who had been through uh, four or five generations of of death and their their populations uh, had been in some cases probably wiped out but in all cases decentralized uh, because of these horrible diseases, not to mention the other horrible stuff that they did. Uh, the slavery, uh, you know, uh, execution and, and genocide. There was all of that, but none of that could, e could even compare uh, anywhere near uh, compare to the um, catastrophic release of diseases uh, that the uh, Spanish and Portuguese uh, mainly, I, guess, I suppose Italians uh, brought to the New World. Uh, and so, by the way, the New World was not new to the people who lived there for uh, 10, 15, 20,000 years. Uh, so anyway, uh, when the colonizers from Britain arrived on the northeast coast, what they found was smaller weekend uh, bands, uh, tribes, if you will, of Indians, as opposed to finding uh, large, organized uh, uh, nations that would have had armies and could have protected itself. Uh, what they found was uh, people who had gone through generations 
of seeing seeing their people die. They were probably uh, riddled with PTSD and grief stricken, uh, and and they all the way to the northeast who had not seen Europeans yet, by and large, they probably didn't know what was going on, where these diseases came through, came from. They probably had no idea. Um, but they did get there. And many, 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 many people died. You, you can't imagine if, you know, if you had a family of nine, you'd be the only one left. Kind of thing, right? 90%. The population was culled um, through these diseases, and so here come the European settlers, uh, and they probably don't know much of this, uh, all the diseases that happened. As far as I know, I've never seen any evidence that they understood what had been going on in the continent with all of the uh, diseases. But maybe they did. Maybe that's why they were so bold uh, in, in uh, insisting on establishing their culture. Uh, instead of assimil assimil assimilating to other cultures. Um, but um, I guess my point is, when we look at Thanksgiving, we don't think about all of that, all of the horrible stuff that our presence on in the Western Hemisphere meant uh, to the people that live there. I'm sure they had mixed, mixed feelings and misgivings and suspicions about us, which were all founded, all founded. And then, you know, you're going to restart whatever diseases uh, these new colonists brought with them directly from Europe uh, right onto the East Coast. You know, there's going to be some of that as well. Um, now, maybe by this time, those who survived were immune to some of this stuff. I, I don't know uh, how that worked. Um, but certainly we can agree that when it comes to the, who we like to call the pilgrim surviving that first winter, Thanksgiving is probably not the only, the only emotion we should make room for. Uh, there probably be, should be some, some contriteness, some realization of what our ancestors subjected the new, the new world to, right? The entire West, Western Hemisphere. Um, some pretty horrible stuff, no question. Um, and so if, by some miracle, uh, these colonizers did find Native Americans willing and compassionate enough to help them, uh, I'm not sure Thanksgiving is even enough. I'm not sure Thanksgiving is a, is a big enough word to describe um, the miracle that that would have been. A lot of this is coming to my mind now uh, because we have some friends coming in town that are going to 
uh, hopefully come to our Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, and it's a couple, uh, Andy and Cami Carlson. Cami, I believe, is a member of the, the Cherokee tribe. Um, we all know what the Cherokees were subjected to by the American army in the Trail of Tears, uh, who walked thousand a thousand miles more than a thousand miles many died on the on the uh, trek when they were relocated force forcibly relocated to Oklahoma territory uh, I don't know maybe in the 1870s 1860s I have to look at that again anyway she is a member of that tribe and her father I believe was or is a leader in that tribe uh, perhaps the president of the tribe. She's coming to Thanksgiving, and I know that she uh, is an activist, um, and she cares about the plight of <clears throat> Native Americans and and other people who have been abused by um, white European culture, uh, which includes pretty much everything that happened in North Central and South America. It's not the only thing. She's a, you know, she's uh, involved in other things as well. Uh, but I'm trying to figure out how to be sensitive uh, to her and, and to in some way let her know that I, I'm not altogether blind to what happened. And I make no excuses for it. I don't know what to do about it now. Uh, but I make no excuses for what happened. At almost every step, Europeans were wrong in what they did to the native people. Um, and unfortunately, some of those steps are still taking place. <clears throat> wow Thanksgiving uh, so yeah that's where we are this weekend we've got uh, of course we're going to do a couple turkeys uh, our buddy Cam and I on Saturday morning earlier are going to spatchcock those things which uh, involves removing the backbone so that you can lay it out flat it's almost like filleting the whole turkey at one time. Uh, and then we will uh, put that on the smoker and use uh, hardwoods uh, to smoke that for everybody that night. Uh, and hopefully we'll have all the fixings. We'll have a lot fewer people this year, so maybe not quite as much food, but we always have way more than enough food. Uh, so yeah, that's gonna be um, going on this next Saturday in about three days problem is my uh, partner in the cafe is out of town and she is uh, hmm. she is out of town for the week and so we may be running out of pulled pork pretty soon in the cafe that I have to smoke and so I may have to somehow smoke pulled pork 
in the next three or four days uh, as well as these turkeys as well as I have to go uh, raft guide this Friday afternoon I've got a raft guiding gig that I need to do uh, on Friday Friday morning will be open but I need like a whole day I need right around 10 hours usually <clears throat> to uh, get all that done that I get all done that I need to get done uh, for the smoking so I'm not sure how that'll go but yeah um, that's where we are right now I've uh, been reading a lot of books interestingly enough uh, a couple of the books have been about these first settlers on the East Coast uh, the first book I read was The Crucible uh, and The Crucible is specifically about the witch trials. It's a play by Arthur Miller, uh, written in the uh, late 40s, actually, right around 48, 49. And it was written in response to him and many of his friends uh, being persecuted in the McCarthy trials for being uh, accused of being communists. Uh, and he likened what was going on with these uh, McCarthy trials uh, to the witch trials uh, of the 1600s uh, in Massachusetts, Salem, Massachusetts specifically, but many places. And the witch trials actually occurred all over Europe. Uh, and what he realized, and I think people realize now, is that these witch trials and also the McCarthy trials were ways that people used to uh, take avenge or take revenge on people. So. Uh, if they were to just accuse somebody for being a witch, uh, then those people might be tried, uh, certainly persecuted, possibly convicted, and if convicted, hung, right? They would be executed. And so if there was somebody in your town you didn't like, all you had to do was, you know, just whisper some things that you saw them do or heard them do, and you, you'd have a pretty good chance that that person would be out of your hair, um, in, in not very much time at all uh, and this is what happened this is what happened in the witch trials where uh, in, in you know certain towns uh, a lot of people a lot of people multiple people usually women but not always uh, people were executed for uh, being found guilty of witchcraft and most of it was not true right most of it was not true I suppose there could be some truth and a little bit, you know, a, a kernel of truth here and there. It's possible. Um, but uh, by and large, you know, you, you might find, uh, for example, the story is mostly about teenage girls who were just having a little fun and being a little mischief and, and trying something a little bit dangerous, uh, which kids are, are want to do, you know. They... That's something that, that I, even when I was a kid, I remember people doing, you know, trying to wake the dead or things like this. But to call it witchcraft uh, as opposed to just, you know, trying to get a thrill or trying to scare each other is, is kind of a stretch. Anyway, um, uh, I read The Crucible. Uh, really great story, by the way. I had not read that. I think I was probably supposed to read it at some point, but I had not read it. Uh, and then I read, <clears throat> let's see, I read that, and then I read uh, To Kill a Mockingbird, 
uh, and now I'm in Scarlet Letter. And, and if these books sound familiar to you, you probably uh, were an American in the 80s or 90s, or even recently, uh, and went to high school there because these are this is a high school reading list for high school juniors right now. My daughter is a high school junior and she's taking uh, an English class uh, online. And I've decided to read the books that she's reading so I can kind of keep up with her and help her through, um, help her along. Um, so yeah, I've been reading these books. The Scarlet Letter, I'm, I'm less than halfway through, but I've read it before. This is my second time to read it. Of course, I've seen a movie, at least a movie or two uh, on the subject. Um, but the thing in common with all of these movies, uh, sorry, books, uh, is that there are people who are marginalized uh, unjustly, right? They're all about people who are marginalized unjustly. Uh, first you have uh, the people accused uh, of witchcraft, uh, and then you have uh, the black people of Maycomb County in To Kill a Mockingbird uh, who were wrongfully accused of certain things. And, and when, it, when you are a uh, minority, uh, the burden of proof, proof on, the on the prosecution is much lighter, right? There's a lot more leeway. So it seems to be easier to convict uh, people of color minorities than it is uh, for the dominant race of a country, uh, of course being white in the case of America. Um, <clears throat> Scarlet Letter, uh, of course, is about adultery and somebody who is, uh, I guess in a sense, persecuted uh, for one decision that they made. Uh, and then, uh, yeah. Uh, the Crucible, of course, uh, is about, uh, well, I guess you'd say religious persecution in a sense. Um, so, yeah, these, these books are really interesting. And it's, I guess it's interesting that I'm reading these right before Thanksgiving because two of, this, two of the books are set in, uh, in and around within probably 50 years of the events uh, that we commemorate on Thanksgiving Day in the same area, both in Massachusetts. Um, so that's interesting. To Kill a Mockingbird's different. That man, that book was amazing. Um, I can't remember if I had read that before. I know I had seen the movie with, uh, I want to say Gregory Peck, uh, which was an amazing movie as I remember it. Um, but the book was great. The book was amazing. Um, rough, right? They're all rough books. They all deal with very difficult situations. Um, but very good books, for sure. And then last night, I decided to download... Uh, I, I bought a new Kindle, so I'm using a new e-reader. I've never had an e-reader before. I've used my iOS devices to read at times, but uh, I wanted something easier on my eyes. Man, this e-reader is great. It's just it's just your stand, standard Kindle uh, with uh, none of the bells and whistles or anything like that. It's just a very standard e-reader. <clears throat> um, but... Get out here and go ahead and go. Look 
so last night uh, I was studying Colossians, the end of Colossians, uh, which turned out really good, by the way. That Colossians one twenty four is a really interesting verse uh, that is extremely problematic, where Paul says. Uh, that he is filling up in his afflictions uh, what's lacking, filling up in his flesh what's lacking the affliction in the afflictions of Christ, something like that, right? And so what it sounds like is that that Christ's Christ's afflictions, uh, which culminated on the cross, were not enough, right? That he is he is uh, he is uh, taking up for what's lacking in the afflictions of Christ. Um, and that's what he does, or that's what he's doing. The problem is, I think all Christians need to believe and want to believe, and I think it's there's a good reason to believe that the cross was enough to forgive them of all their sins. And so it can't be that the cross wasn't enough, right? Uh, I don't think, I don't think we can ever get to the point where we say the cross wasn't enough. But but the problem is, it goes back to this uh, philosophical conundrum. If a, if a tree falls in the forest and no one's there to hear it, does it make a sound? If Christ dies on the cross and forgives us all our sins, and yet there's no one to take the message of that sacrifice, did it even happen? <laughs> so, so I, I think... I think what Paul's talking about and what Jesus also said is if you want to be my disciple you must take up your cross and follow me is that to be a disciple of Jesus and to take his message of healing and reconciliation into the world healing by the way is just another way of saying physical reconciliation uh, to take the the message of reconciliation into the world um, is a life of some suffering and so in a sense we are joining and adding to the sufferings of Christ it's not that the sufferings of Christ aren't enough it's just that to be Christ's disciple we must suffer uh, and so uh, filling up in our flesh what's lacking the in the afflictions of Christ I think what is lacking is is uh, also stated in another place, right? He says the, the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. Uh, the more workers we have, the more people we have who are, who are taking those afflictions of Christ and in their own suffering, letting them be known throughout the world. Um, it's just how this gift of Christ is distributed. It's the, it's the, the system of distribution uh, of reconciliation. That is, the sufferings of the disciples of Christ who are preaching about the suffering of the Christ, right? Proclaiming the suffering of the Christ to the world. Um, and, yeah, I thought, I thought we really got to some really neat places on that. And there was a point that my wife brought up last night that I had not quite thought of. And it was a kind of like a, a lightning, lightning bolt moment. Um, 
I'll have to come back on that. Maybe I'll maybe I'll do a uh, an episode just on the first chapter uh, of Colossians uh, soon, um, which is one of the best chapters ever written uh, in the New Testament, I believe. Uh, but anyway. I am at the kindergarten and I need to say goodbye. So you guys have a great day. And a great autumn. Bye-bye.